Some of my favorite things in Vancouver to do are things like going to concerts and to fireworks in the summertime. I really enjoy being together in the same space with a lot of people all together at once. And so I especially enjoy a packed out concert or fireworks at English Bay with crowds of people around. And this is what I find life-giving and I, this is when I'm happiest. And so as you can maybe imagine, I found parts of the pandemic to be very difficult. And I know that some people had a much harder experience than I did in the pandemic, and I know that many suffered significant loss. And for me in the pandemic, one of the hardest things was being alone so much of the time. There was quite a stretch of time where I was working from home alone almost every day, and my husband had to work in his office elsewhere. And so there were some of my experiences in the pandemic actually took a bit of a toll. But one thing that God used to help carry me through that hard season were some simple rhythms that I have in my life. And these rhythms have become like habits that I've been practicing for a while. And there's a lot of room for growth in my prayer life for sure. But I'd like to share two simple uh, habits and routines related to prayer that I feel that God really helped me, helped to carry me through because of those. And so what I do in the morning is I wake up and I have a cup of coffee and I look to scripture for a few minutes, you know, aiming to hear God's voice, spend just a little bit of time in prayer and thanksgiving. And then at the end of the day, I do something similar, but minus the coffee, of course. And I do feel that God used those times to give me strength, to carry me through that hard season that I was experiencing. And in this message today, we're going to be looking at various rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving, and how these can strengthen people, how it can lead to a resiliency as well. And right now we're in the midst of a sermon series which is called Resilient Faith. And in this series, we've been looking to, to scripture to see the lives of people who really embraced a resilient faith, a faith that endures. And so over the past while, we've looked at Moses and Abraham and Jacob and some others. And today we're going to look at Daniel's life. And we're going to look especially closely at some of his rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving. And so Daniel, as you may know, lived centuries ago in Israel, and as a young person, he was violently forced to leave his home to resettle in the city of Babylonia. And while he was living there as a young person, he was also required to study in the Babylonian educational system. And while he did that, he worked very hard and he still faithfully served God while living as an exile there during Israel's 70-year captivity. And it was a very difficult experience for him because it was, um, it was with violence that the Babylonians besieged uh, Jerusalem and Israel and forced Daniel to leave his family and friends. And while Daniel was there, though he studied hard and he worked hard, he lived with integrity, and for many years he served in the Babylonian government in high levels of leadership. And then near the end of his life, a new empire gained control of that city with a new king. 
And the new King Darius decided that he wanted to promote Daniel so that Daniel would be in leadership over the entire kingdom. But this desire for King Darius to promote Daniel led to some other government administrators feeling jealous. And so what they did was they worked hard and they looked at Daniel's life to see if they could bring any charges against him so that they could push him aside. But despite all their efforts, they couldn't find any charges of wrongdoing against Daniel. He lived with integrity. He was trustworthy. They couldn't see any signs of corruption or negligence. And so this group of political administrators decided that if they were going to push Daniel aside, they were going to have to do it in something related to his faith in God. And so this is what happened next. I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6. So these administrators went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So in this message today, we're going to explore three movements. First, we'll look at rhythms of thanksgiving. Secondly, the fruit of thanksgiving. And then thirdly, an invitation. And so first, rhythms. G.K. Chesterton referred to thanksgiving as the mother of all virtues. So being thankful is a virtue. It's a very high virtue. And it's something that leads to flourishing in our lives and it's a way to worship God. In contrast to that, St. Ignatius in the 1500s wrote that ingratitude is the cause, the beginning, and origin of all evils and sins. So this is important, and what we'll do for a few minutes is take a look at what we can learn from Daniel and how he prioritized thanksgiving. So did you notice in this verse that we just read, one of these verses that we just read in Daniel 6, that Daniel had a rhythm of praying three times a day. And praying three times a day was not mandated in scripture, but it might have been suggested. So for example, in Psalm 55, verse 17, it says, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. And so praying three times a day was Daniel's regular habit it wasn't like he was flaunting rebellion against the king's order or edict, but he was just following in his regular routine when he was praying three times a day. And God's people throughout the ages have had various rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving. And so, for example, in Acts 3, we read, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And so praying at three o'clock was their regular rhythm of prayer. 
And we know that early church, in the early church, many Christ followers prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day. So sometimes having a set time to pray can be helpful for us in case we might forget or in case we might feel like we're becoming too busy. Having a set time can help us establish a rhythm of prayer. Did you also notice in one of the verses in Daniel 6 there that Daniel knelt while he was praying? And this ancient practice of kneeling is something that Christ, many Christ followers still engage with today. And so sometimes when people kneel when they pray, they sense a connection between heart, body, and mind while praying. And praying on, while kneeling can also be a, a way to communicate humility and reverence towards God. One of my favorite memories of my dad while growing up was seeing him kneeling beside his bed every night before he went to bed while he was praying. And my dad found strength in that prayer time and in that connection with God. Someone else I know also regularly, regularly kneels while she's praying. And she told me on the days that she finds it hard to find words to pray, that the posture of kneeling can be like a prayer in itself. So kneeling while praying is not a requirement, but some people can find it helpful. So Daniel's had a set time for prayer. He had a posture for prayer. And did you also notice in Daniel 6 that he had a certain location in his home while he was praying as well? And he was praying near a window that opened towards Jerusalem. So you may realize that for many, many years, there was a temple in Jerusalem, and it was the center of worship for God's people. And it was an amazing temple, and when King Solomon dedicated this temple after he had built it, he foresaw that the Israelites, that at some point in the future, they would be living in exile. They'd be taken out of the Jerusalem and away from their land to live as exiles. And he foresaw that when they were living as exiles, that they would pray towards Jerusalem. And so this is what Daniel was doing because he was living in exile in Babylon and he and other Israelites would have had a regular pattern of praying towards that city, towards the temp where the temple used to be. And they believed that God would hear their voice when they prayed in that direction. And we as Christ followers realize that we as individuals and our community, we're the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And for this reason, not many of us probably pray towards Jerusalem. But there can be value in finding a set location to pray. Someone that I've known in our community here for a number of years, she enjoys swimming every morning. And she's done this for years. And so while she's swimming laps in the swimming pool, this is her prayer time. While she's swimming laps, she turns her heart and her mind towards God. She lifts requests to him and she thanks him for things, for gifts in her life. And someone else in our community that I know loves to run every day after work. And while he's running, he prays at that time as well, lifting up requests to God, asking him for help as needed, and thanking him too. Someone else I know has a chair in her living room where she likes to pray in the morning and at night, lifting her heart to God. And these people have shared with me that having a set time 
a location and possibly a certain posture has really helped them to establish a rhythm of prayer and thanksgiving. And it also helps them to maintain it. And it's a way for them to find strength in God, also leading to a resiliency. And did you also notice in the story of Daniel that he was praying to God in the midst of a very challenging situation? You know, and in fact, much of his life was very hard. It wasn't an easy life. As a young person, he was forcibly removed from his family. The Babylonians killed many people in Israel. He lost relationships with family and friends when he was taken into exile. And he lost the freedom to choose his own path. He was required to study in the ways of a foreign culture in order to serve the government that had harmed his people. And then, after years of dedicated service and living with integrity, he found himself very close to being thrown into the lion's den, which is a form of execution, through no fault of his own, just because of jealousy from his political rival rivals. But despite the threat of possibly being thrown into the lion's den, Daniel carried on with his regular routine and regular habit of prayer and thanksgiving, and he wanted to honor God above all else. He didn't wait for his life to feel easy or good or really peaceful and settled before he gave thanks to God. And if you're unfamiliar with the rest of the story of Daniel, I encourage you to read it. It's, very, it's a very short read. You can read the remainder of chapter 6 in Daniel if you like. And so we've been looking at this habit that Daniel had, this routine of prayer. And so many of you, if you have habits, you, maybe you realize and feel the same way I do, that when you have a habit about something, it doesn't take as much energy to do it. You know, it doesn't take as much, as much willpower to follow through with something that's already a habit in our lives. And I wonder if any of you here play a musical instrument. Obviously, some of you do. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. But I wonder if the rest of you, anyone else here, plays a musical instrument. And if you do, have you ever practiced scales or arpeggios, for example? You know, in the past, I played classical piano, and so I spent a lot of hours practicing scales and arpeggios, five or six times a week for years. And I found that as I practiced scales and arpeggios, they became almost automatic. And I could play them almost without thinking. And it wasn't like I found it super fun or exciting to play scales and arpeggios. But through that discipline, it enabled me to find joy and delight in playing a variety of music and songs. And I wonder if any of you here play sports like baseball or golf, for example. And if you play baseball or golf, have you ever spent time practicing your swing in a certain way? When people practice a baseball swing or a golf swing, it also can be some, become something that's almost automatic and something that people can rely on muscle memory for to a large extent. And many people who practice their golf swings and their baseball swings find a lot of fun and enjoyment in playing these sports. You know, and so too with our rhythms of thanksgiving and prayer. In this discipline of practicing prayer and thanksgiving, this can also lead to joy in our relationships with God 
and also a resiliency and strength as well. And so do you, any of you here have regular habits of prayer and thanksgiving? Maybe you pray in the morning or at night or maybe while you're walking or jogging or swimming. These habits of prayer and thanksgiving can help us to draw closer to God and they can strengthen us, leading to resiliency as well. I'm partway th through reading a really interesting book right now and it's written by Gretchen Rubin. And she wrote this book called Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives. And she refers to habits as the invisible architecture of daily life. In this book, she describes how people often repeat about 40% of a behavior every day. And she illustrates how habits can shape us and can have a significant impact on our future. And so let's just take a couple moments now to explore the fruit of thanksgiving, the way that gratitude can transform our lives. You know, in scripture, there are frequent encouragements towards gratitude. So, for example, in Psalm 136, we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And in Psalm 100, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For centuries, God has been calling his people towards gratitude. And this is something that leads to flourishing and joy in our lives. And in comparison, you know, somewhat recently, psychologists have been noticing the benefits of gratitude. And many psychologists have been studying the role that gratitude plays in our physical and our emotional well-being. There's been quite a bit of research done about this recently. I'm not sure if you've heard of Robert Emmons. He's a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis. And he's done a great deal of research in the area of gratitude together with others. Now, one of the studies that Robert Emmons was involved with together with others involved working with three groups of volunteers and they were each given different instructions. And so the first group was instructed to focus on negative experiences every day for several weeks. The second group was instructed to hone in on experiences that they felt enhanced their well-being. So for example, a friend being kind to you. And then the third group was instructed to focus on everyday routine sorts of, sort of experiences like going grocery shopping or running errands. And the results of this study seem to be very clear that the people who focused on the positive experiences which stirred up some gratitude in their hearts, these people reported themselves as feeling happier than as compared to the people in the other two groups. And they also reported fewer headaches and fewer colds. It seems, according to this study, that people who are grateful experience a higher quality of life. Also at the University of California, they've done additional studies that outline more of the physical health benefits of gratitude, of being thankful. 
And so in one of these studies recently, it showed that people who are thankful experience greater heart health, physically speaking, that their hearts were healthier in terms of health rhythms and less inflammation. And the study showed that people who are grateful also sleep better at night and they feel less fatigue. In addition to that, people who are grateful have fewer stress hormones in their body, like cortisol has, was lower by 20% as compared to other people. In this study, it seemed to show that people who are grateful and this practice of being grateful can actually counteract the effects of stress in our lives, leading to health benefits. Robert Emmons wrote that gratitude heals, energizes, and transforms lives in a myriad of ways. And one of the ways that gratitude transforms our lives is seen in scripture in Philippians, in Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter four. It says, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote here that lifting our requests to God with thanksgiving can fill us with peace, a peace that transcends understanding and which can also guard our hearts and minds. And isn't this exactly what Daniel was doing and where we, what we were just reading about in scripture? Daniel was lifting his requests to God, even in hard situations, while at the same time thanking him. And I believe there's wisdom in lifting both of those up. And I believe there's wisdom in not leaning too much in one direction or the other. If we name our hard experiences and name our negative emotions, and lift these up to God. This is, this is hugely important. But if we do this in the absence of thanksgiving, it might lead to increased heaviness. You know, then on the other end of the spectrum, if we're only focusing on positive things and giving thanks to God for these, it might mean that we're sweeping negative experiences and negative feelings under the rug, which is not helpful. But I believe God is calling us to live as people, like Daniel did, live as people who lift up our requests to him while at the same time thanking him. And this is a life-giving path. And if any of you here today are in the midst of a hard season which is overwhelming and challenging, I encourage you to talk to a pastor or a counselor or a trusted friend. So we've been exploring some rhythms of thanksgiving, we've looked at some fruit of thanksgiving, and now I'd like to extend an invitation for you to consider. But before I extend this invitation, I want to share an encouragement with you. It's an encouragement and an illustration relating to biking, and yet it still really applies to our context here today. In the 1900s, the British cycling team was performing very poorly in Olympic events. In the 1900s, they only won one gold medal in about 100 years. And there, it got so bad, actually, the performance was so poor that a leading manufacturer in Europe refused to sell the British cycling team bikes 
because they thought it would harm sales if other professionals saw the Brits using their gear. It was that bad. And so it was at this point that the British Cycling Association decided that they would hire one or two new coaches. And so they did. And one of their coaches was relentlessly committed to an idea of marginal gain. This means that he looked at various areas related to biking, very closely at each of them, and tried to make just a 1% improvement in each of these areas. So for example, they started rubbing alcohol in the tires for better grip. They readjusted the bike seat just a little bit to make it more comfortable. They started wearing lighter racing suits. And these 1% adjustments led to improvement. And they accumulated, and the British cycling team started doing better at Olympics, and they started winning uh, medals. And I actually really like this idea of a 1% improvement. You know, to me, this feels like something that's manageable and doable. Now, in the earlier and the heavier days of the pandemic, my husband and I decided to try to implement a 1% improvement in our daily routines. And it was really simple. What we did is while we were having dinner together, we tried to share three highlights with each other about our day. Now, there were some times that I found it pretty hard to do this. Sometimes I was just finding it really hard to spot highlights. Some days I would look back over my day and I would think, well, this day was exactly like my the previous day, which was exactly like the previous day, it seems, and the previous one as well. And so sometimes I was finding it a little discouraging. But my husband and I persevered in it and we encouraged each other on just to try to spot three highlights. And as we were sharing highlights, sometimes we would just list, the list them to each other. And God used this to stir up some gratitude in our hearts. And some days we would talk about the highlights and discuss them with each other. And when we did the, this, it's, they seemed to enlarge in our hearts and minds in a sense. You know, and leading to some experiences of joy. I feel that God used some of these little practices of gratitude to help me experience some strength in a hard time. I feel like he used these little practices of gratitude to anchor me and ground me in those hard days of the pandemic. And I felt that I was really closely and securely connected to Christ and his love for me. So I wonder if God might be calling you to any 1% improvement in a prayer and thanksgiving rhythm in your own life, like he might be calling me to today as well. Could God be calling you? Could the Spirit be inviting you to pray, maybe in the morning or at night or both? You know, maybe while you're walking or running or swimming? Or maybe the Spirit's inviting you to share some highlights with someone that you know. And the Spirit can use these practices to stir up gratitude in our hearts and our minds. And so let's lean into rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving leads to resiliency and flourishing. And it's a way to worship God. I invite you to pray together with me now, just for a moment or two, if you like. And if you like, while, you're, while we're praying, I invite you to close your eyes. And just silently now for a minute, I'd like to invite you to think of several things for which you feel thankful for.
And as you do, I invite you to thank God for these blessings. And ask the Spirit now as well, if you like, if he might be leading you to implement a 1% adjustment in your prayer life, in your Thanksgiving life, just like he might be inviting me to. We ask, Lord God, that you'd help each one of us to grow in rhythms of prayer and thanksgiving, leading to resiliency and flourishing. We love you, God, and we praise you. Thank you for all your gifts. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.